0: Hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy and child therapy, coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And here in the United States, we are having a long overdue reckoning at this time, and it feels important before we get rolling to say that my sincere hope for our profession and the stance of myself is to be united with those who are in pain, who have been traumatized, who have been living a life that is full of prejudice and fear and hate and intimidation and where the cards are stacked against them. And I, of course, am talking about the black community here in the United States, though I know there are similar movements and marches and expressions of pain happening around the world. But I do believe that it is our responsibility as a profession to listen to those who say they have been traumatized and to be allies with them in building a world where that's not the case anymore. And as therapists, we do that every day. When a person comes into our office, whether you're seeing children or you're seeing adults, and they say that they're struggling with something, we believe them, we believe that their struggle is valid, we recognize the validity of emotional struggles, and we work with that person to help them be more whole or to help them heal or to just witness those struggles in themselves and take them seriously and then engage in whatever kind of transformative process happens inside of a person for them to heal wounds. And if a person came into our office and said that they were in pain, we would never say to them, no, you're not. Or we would never say to them, I'm in pain too. We take that pain as legitimate. We take that pain as valid. We take that pain as theirs. We don't engage in the narcissistic process of including our pain with their pain and trying to say that maybe their pain is just like everybody else's in some sense. We take people's pain seriously and we take it as unique and we're not talking about one person who's saying that they're in pain at this point we're talking about an entire race of people and multiple races of people who are saying this and we believe you we're with you and black lives matter and i'm straddling a line here i do not believe that i am a voice for this topic it is not my place to be a voice. On this topic, there are numerous wise people who are gifted at articulation and are centered in their hearts and will help lead us forward during this time in the black community. And those are the voices to listen to. And all of this is just to say that uh, I hope that we're in solidarity with them. But without further ado, let's get to the topic of the day, and I don't feel like chatting about the nuances of play therapy or how we track or how we reflect or those kinds of things. Not that I do that all that much on this podcast anyway, and while this moment belongs to the black community and anyone else who is attempting to push an agenda of any kind during this time probably needs to take a step back and find another time to do that. I hope to not be pushing an agenda when I name that while we're having a reckoning with the police force, while we're having having a reckoning with hiring practices and the inherent racism and systemic oppression that is inside of institutions, we might as well also take a look at how child therapy is oppressive because child therapy is inherently oppressive. And I'd like to start off that conversation by telling a personal anecdote. I used to work in the school system here in Buncombe County, North Carolina, and had a number of elementary schools and a few middle schools where I saw students. And in the areas where I worked, there's a fairly low or there's a fairly small black population population. Here in the mountains of North Carolina as compared to the rest of the state. I think in most areas it's around 10 to 15 percent of the population. But when I worked in the school system a much higher percentage of my personal caseload and the number of students I had was black. I would say that that number was closer to 30 percent or 35 percent that Given the demographics and the number of children that I had on my caseload, I most likely should have only had two or three black clients at a time and ended up with usually more like eight black clients at a time. And why I bring that up is because some of those black families didn't trust me at all, and I don't blame them for that. For a second, I was generally assigned to these families by the school system, and a lot of them didn't have a lot of trust in the school system, and it felt like some of them kept me at arm's length, and I completely understand that I would be seen as a tool of the state, and the school district assigned me to work with them as a family, so I was a tool of the state, and... That's a fair assessment, as much as I can say in my heart, like, oh, I'm here to help out your family. Like, you didn't ask for this help, and for that reason, you don't have to accept it, or I won't judge you if you don't. There were some black families who I developed more intimacy with through communicating pretty clearly that I wasn't on the side of the school, that I felt that there were issues with their child that could be related to their race and why their child was struggling in the school and that was able to open up a lot more conversations and it was alarming to me. The number of students that I had on my caseload and parents I had on my caseload who felt like the school was not on their side. That does not include all black families that I worked with. I don't want to make some blanket statement, but it included a lot of them. And what I should have done is... Use my relationships inside of the school to call attention to this fact, to recommend something like, hey, why doesn't the school invite all of the black families in and have a conversation about the ways that they don't feel supported? Or something like that, a way to address it. And I can feel proud of the ways that I was able to address that and take it seriously inside of the families and have them have some witnessing around their experience of racism in the school system. But it didn't even occur to me to go any further than that. And there's a lesson for me in there of not just being a passive observer of these things, but being active in terms of understanding that I have a role in my community as a person and I can make my community into whatever I want it to be. And I also bring it up to name that what the school system was doing and what I was doing and what we were both doing without even really questioning it was saying that, okay, these black students are struggling in this environment. Let's send them to Andrew. Let's send them to a therapist. Let's help them to adjust, which makes it the individual's problem to adjust the individual child's problem to adjust and not the problem of the systems to adjust to the reality of a small child who does not even yet have the ego strength or wisdom or identity to be making conscious active choices and change it's the difference between changing the system for everyone and asking each individual inside of that system to change themselves And while child therapy is obviously dedicated to the health and healing of each individual child, there's also a shadow side to child therapy, just like there is a shadow side to literally everything. And let's go through a couple examples of shadow sides before we dive into child therapy. The way that I like to look at things at times, and this is a... A Jungian lens, at least in the realm of psychology, is to see things in terms of everything containing its opposite. And so we could take a look at schools and say that a school at its best and a teacher at their best facilitates a space where people are able to learn and to grow. And they facilitate a space where people are able to explore the world in a structured way with guidance from someone who's wise, who also cares about them as a person, who provides the safety and facilitation necessary for someone to develop themselves, to gain knowledge, to become wise, to become an actualized, active person in this world who is capable because they have the knowledge that they need to do what they are here to do on this planet or to do what they'd like to do on this planet or to be a contributing member of the community that's school at its best school at its worst Does the opposite of the thing that it's trying to do. School at its worst kills the desire inside of a person to learn at all. School can provide such a structured environment that a person can feel like that their natural curiosity is not being tapped into, and then learning just becomes memorizing a series of facts from another person that are divorced from the person's reality, and then a person can end up feeling like school and learning are wastes of time. And a person can end their time in school whenever they choose to end it and decide that they're just not the kind of person who likes to learn. School can either nurture that place in a person where they are learning and becoming wise and develop that part of all of us that's curious about life on the planet Earth. And school can also destroy that part of us. If we want to take a look at Shadow Sides again, let's also take a look at the police. The police, at their best, do provide some safety for people. There have been times when the cops have shown up where I've been glad that they showed up. And the police at their worst, and we're experiencing this right now, and the black community has been experiencing this for a long time, provide exactly the opposite of what they're supposedly trying to provide. They provide a lack of safety. The cops can show up and it can feel even worse and more scary than it did before. Instead of feeling like things are back in control, we can feel in less control when the police arrive. And so again, police are capable of both sides of that and both potentials in that exist inside of the police if we are still choosing to continue to have them. And the same is true for child therapy. We are no exception to all of this. And we need to understand the inherent oppression in our profession if we are not going to unknowingly perpetuate oppression inside of our profession. It's a lot of uh, shuns in that sentence. But child therapists at their best, and we talk about this stuff all the time, are... Tapping into the self-actualizing and self-healing part of the individual. Child-centered play therapy is trying to tap into that part of the individual at least. And in that process, we are helping a person become more whole. We are increasing intimacy and love inside of the families that we work with. We are developing the self-concept inside of a person where they are connected to more of themselves, where they are accepting of what they're connected to, and they are able to develop in connection with whatever that mysterious and beautiful part of them is that is moving them along and helping them grow as a person in this world. At our best, we are capable of doing that. At our worst... And I have been guilty of this before. And if you are a child therapist who who is listening to this, there is no question in my mind that you have been guilty of this at some point yourself because this oppression is inherent inside of our profession. At our worst, we perpetuate systems of inequality and systems of pain and systems of oppression inside of families and inside of communities. At our worst, we see children who are brought to see us because they are struggling, because they are not conforming in the way that the adults want them to conform. At our worst, we then pathologize that child. We say that something is wrong with them. We give them a diagnosis. That's without ever doing a brain scan. If we're saying someone has a diagnosis then we're saying that something is wrong with them. In that process, we are immediately doing that child violence, and we are immediately taking the responsibility off of the environment and placing that responsibility on the child to fix themselves, to get better themselves, to figure this shit out, instead of taking a look at the systems that are in place and that's not just me trying to put down parents and say that we could all parent better i do believe there is a lack of love inside of our families but i don't even want to put that responsibility onto families for that as a profession we can put that responsibility even onto parents to try to help themselves and not place the focus where we need to place the focus which is on the systems that we live in which is on the world that we live in how often Do we see a child who is full of rage, who is full of rage, rage at the school system, rage at their family, rage at all of the authorities and institutions, and we immediately pathologize that rage, we delegitimize that rage instead of seeing it as valid. We can have our focus be on how do we get this kid to be less mad instead of just sitting with it for a second and taking in the fact that this child is angry at the world that this child feels violated by the world that this child doesn't think the world is fair that this child doesn't think the world is full of beauty and joy this child continually feels repressed and oppressed by their environment and constantly feels the need to battle against it and if we can just sit with the pain of that for a second this is how it's not that dissimilar say to what's going on now our responsibility as white people at a minimum at a minimum, is to accept the pain that is being expressed and find a way to hold it, find a way to hold the reality of it. Because when we do that, then we're connected to the reality of the other people in our community and we can feel more mobilized for for action, for speaking out, for being in alliance with rather than judging or condemning it. It's not dissimilar with the kids that we see at our worst We can place responsibility on the children that we see for the emotions and the behaviors that have brought them in to see us. When in reality, if you are a child therapist and you are seeing a caseload of children, what you are getting is a snapshot of your community, is a snapshot of the pain in your community. You're not getting a bunch of children coming to see you who all have a couple chemicals missing inside of their brain. You're getting some kids coming to see you who are in legitimate pain legitimate pain due to a variety of factors and us sitting with that legitimate pain can help us to understand what is wrong in the world where love is lacking in the world where the world needs to heal not where that particular child needs to heal that doesn't mean we won't still see them we will we will validate their pain we will help them to live with their pain we'll help them to be strong in their pain But we're not trying to take their pain away from them. But at our worst, we are trying to do that. We're handing them coping skills to help make them less angry. We're handing them judgment when they are angry. We're feeling excitement in ourselves. Even if you're not placing judgment on the children that you see, I can feel excited in myself when a child is less angry. And immediately when I'm doing that, I am judging. Because I'm saying that not being angry is better than being angry. I'm saying that not being in despair is better than being in despair. And where do I get off saying that if the institutions that we're living in are not serving people and they're not serving children and maybe the children are right. And regardless of whether they're right or they're wrong, they're in pain. And it's not their responsibility to not be in pain. It doesn't mean that they're messed up in the head or the heart because they're in pain. It's just descriptive. As therapists, we have the privilege, the privilege of getting to know the depths of pain that live inside of our communities and different people. We get the privilege to witness that. We get the privilege to know just how much pain is living inside of the children or the people in the communities that we live in. And what do we do with that pain? We can hold it. We can accept it. We can cry if we need to, right? We can be sad if we need to. We can grieve if we need to. We can be angry if we need to. And we cannot judge those motions inside of ourselves. And we can help people to live in and through their pain rather than trying to get them to resubmit to the environments that they're in. I am guilty myself of judging a child's progress based on whether or not they are submitting to the adults in their environment and the reports of that the the adults inside of their environments on how they're doing based on whether or not they're submitting to those adults and there's reasons why that's the case right children don't choose to be brought into therapy they're brought to us for therapy and they are brought to us for therapy based on the reasons that the adults who are choosing to bring them have brought them And so it's easy then, right? It's easy to use that as a criteria for progress or health or growth or development. But it's a trap. It's a trap that serves the structures of our world. And I think we're all having a little bit of a reckoning right now in terms of taking a hard look at the structures that we live in, recognizing the inherent oppression inside of those structures and resolving ourselves to creating a world full of heart and full of love and full of empathy and full of mutual respect. And we're capable of that as child therapists, but we need to be aware of our shadow side. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review and subscribe and all that good stuff. It helps the show to get more reach. It had been a little while since I put an episode out. If you just missed the melodious sound of my voice, then check out the Am I Broken Survivor Stories podcast, which is hosted by my good friend and colleague, Papillon de Boer, and we did three episodes on the effects of child sexual abuse on adult men in the group work that we do. So not a light listen, but I think that they're I think that they're all right if you do anything like that kind of trauma work I hope it's worth your time if you check it out check out barnatchildtherapy.com for child-centered children's books and other nonsense that I've got up there and yeah I'll catch you all next time